Randall woke to her ringing telephone in a splitting headache. It was dark and cold, still night. The flashing red of the answering machine showed him where the phone was. He gathered bedding and he crossed the tatami. Mushy, mushy, he said. Hello, is that Randall? It was Stephen Hart. Stephen, it's not light, Stephen. I wouldn't have called, believe me. The thing is, I'm lost. Where? Always the where, said Stephen. Downtown is where. You're still out? I'm out, and my teeth are out, Randall heard crying. Your teeth are out? Two Russian guys tailed me from the bar. They picked me up and threw me on the street. I saw shards go down the pavement. Are you all right? And what follows is the are you all right, said Stephen. All wrong. All wrong is what I am. Is there blood? Damage? Can you get in a cab? I don't have money, said Stephen. I don't know where I am. Well, what do you see? Tell me what you see. I see gibberish on the walls. I see streets too narrow for sidewalks. Look, I'm sorry I rang. I just wanted to hear your voice. Is that wrong? It's not wrong, said Randall. But you're slurring. There was sucking, a slick drawing in of air. Blood does that. Trauma. I phoned my mother I shouldn't have and I regret it. She raised me. All the trouble you took to go out east, Martin. Martin, said Randall. My father's name. My name, it was. I met him on the street last year and went up and punched him in the face. Get in a taxi. I'll meet you at your apartment. I'll pay. I'll be there with money. Can you tell me where I live? said Stephen. 
You don't know where you live? I lost my teeth, the two front. I can put my tongue in the space. It seems like a lot of tongue. You have an ID card. Do you have that on you? Stephen? I never go out with an empty wallet. And my wallet's empty. Wait. I did go to open a bank account. Yes. It's here. The receipt in my pocket. Those scrawls, that kanji hiragana stuff, the writing. I don't know if I'm holding the paper up the right way. I see no cabs. Everyone's dead to the world in this mechanized, efficient land. Stephen, you know the main street, the one that leads to the school. You and I were on it. It's the one with the streetcar tracks. Walk out to that, then follow to the mountains south. Remember the A-Dome? That building with the arches left after the bomb? Find the tracks, the train tracks, and head towards the A-Dome. There's taxis there the whole night long. Oh, if I make it there, then I know how to get home. The streetcar tracks, you say. I'll see you at your flat, said Randall. You know what else I have in my pocket? Money, said Stephen. The little pocket. What Ernest gave me for my services. I folded it and put it in the little pocket, the high one, the rainy day pouch. It's raining, said Randall. It's pouring, and the old man is snoring. A hundred yen. Is that enough for a coffee? Oh, my teeth. How can I show myself? Just go to your flat. Could we speak a little longer? All right. How was your night in general? My night? Streetcar track, Stephen. Mountains, Peace Park, A-Dome. I'll see you at your flat. People have just got to learn that I don't like to be touched. I'm going home home after this. This is no place for me. I'll leave it to you travelers. I'm no traveler in this city. It's like walking in a graveyard. But there, the dawn. I apologize for the hour. Oh, dawn, look. All right. See ya, Dave. It's Randall. Oh, you American guys, confound me. I'm Canadian. You certainly are, Randy, Randy. You certainly are. Randall put down the receiver and got back to his futon. His head was still splitting. Stephen Hart or Martin Hart. Broken teeth. No place for you. No place for me. Maybe that's why we click, Hart. But you learn it after four weeks. For me, it's years.
What do I go back to after this? Randall saw that the guitar lay open in its case. Did I play that last night? I can't remember. Through these thin walls? The walls where a neighbor coughed with restraint just the other day? And I heard it as if it was in this room. I've been here almost two years and never heard a peep from a neighbor. Not a radio. But tenants lower their heads to see me come down the stairwell. Was it the noise? Was it the foreign element? And he got his pants on. He picked up the other clothing, the trail to the futon. In the kitchen, he snapped on his kerosene heater and got down, crossed his arms. He took out a pack of Kleenex and blew his nose, studying the soot he produced. He got on his feet and on toes unlocked the window over the sink, drew it open. Winter air from between buildings rushed in. Randall ran the sink faucet and splashed icy water on his face. He rubbed dish detergent in his hands and lathered his armpits. He used the dishcloth to add more water and rinse away the soap. It was too expensive to take a bath, and he was too big to use the shower hose in that small space. Today he was, at least, too big and too hungover. He poached two eggs and set them on white bread, eight standing at the sink. He got on his hiking boots, marched through the flat, laying out clothes for the journey. He was leaving, going south on vacation, making the plans on the spot. He looked at the train schedule. One left at 9 a.m. Three hours to get the hell out of Hiroshima. He wouldn't tell anyone, including his girlfriend, Reiko. The side trip to Stephen Martin. Stephen Martin Hart was welcome. He's in worse shape than I am, but I need that right now. Over Randall's shoulder was his guitar in its bag. His left hand held his travel bag. Randall locked his door, took a deep breath of the winter air. He lived on a common approach to the units, a shelf, a passage along the neighboring doors. He checked to see if he had his wallet and passport, his flip phone. He turned next to see the ballroom above the roofs. He could see in through the big windows. So often at night he would see the dancers there in the light hold each other and sweep down the floor. This morning the floor was dark and failing. He grabbed his bag, walked past the other doors. No one was in the stairwell. No one was at the bicycle shed where he checked the lock on his bike. Will I even ever see this again? He started down an alley over newly fallen snow. 
A mangy sky was overhead, more mange south than east. This industrial iron gray had colored the sky for weeks. A cat entered the lane. It stopped, and it stared at Randall. Randall dipped his chin forward, and the cat scampered on. But there, there she was, Rako, his girlfriend proper, the source of the red light on the answering machine. Rako was in the 7-Eleven. He could see her through the glass. She was at the counter, getting udon soup and boiled eggs. Two tins of coffee were under the palm of the night clerk. As he was ringing up her total, Randall tucked in his chin, turned, and marshaled down an unfamiliar side street, instantly erasing her from sight. Did I call her last night? Did I call her and she's coming to see me? Perhaps she saw me just now. He came out on the main road and crossed one of the bridges to span a delta arm the Tenma. No pedestrian was out, and his feet were first to pass over the snow on the bridge. Out on the street, a car passed by. On the other side of the bridge were gamblers smoking outside a pachinko parlor. In a cold car was a little girl, waiting, spotting Randall, studying him. Randall found his way into Hart's neighborhood, he came to Hart's block of flats and looked at the cherry trees in the child's playground across the street. A school was there. Stephen Hart's flat looked on to that school. Randall had been here a few times. The place was always noisy with children playing. Not today. Randall entered the building. This building had no winder stairs, but a split staircase, unheated and poorly lit, loud. Randall went up. At the door, he knocked on steel. On the first visit to Hart, Hart had said, drop by, I'll be there, rolling among the bottles. And that was exactly what Randall had heard on the first visit. Someone rolling among bottles, a struggle. The characteristic clink, clink, clink. He turned away that day. No bottle clinks today, but he did hear one little moan, that of a woman inside, and now passing in the stairwell was a woman off to work. Randall bowed at her just when there came another moan. The worker dropped her head. When she was down far enough, Randall began his descent as well. The steel door came open. Where are you going? Randall! It was Stephen Hart in a robe, a gold chain, a fat neck, a hairless chest. Randall saw Hart's tongue press at the incisive gap at the rising hole where his front teeth had been. Your face has sincerity now, said Randall. 
heart began to smile. And a rakish quality, but you might have always had that, being English. Randall came up the steps. I never knew anyone to lose their teeth. Their shirt, yes. Just don't make me laugh. Oh, I'm not coming in, said Randall. You have someone in there. She? She's tucked away. Come in. Just nothing funny. Randall let Hart go first, and then he entered, closing the door behind him. In this school flat were two rooms partitioned by a sliding door, which was now drawn fully across to close away the bedroom. Randall looked into a dim kitchen at the pile of unwashed dishes in the sink. They rose to the cupboard. Randall had been offered this flat, but it was too close to Edward English House, also that noisy kindergarten across the street. But Yokogawa Station was near, which was handy for when you had to teach up north in Kabe High School, except Randall. He wouldn't be getting that assignment again. If I do get fired, he thought, I could stay here with Hart for a bit. That had been Randall's thought, at least. A quick thought, before he heard the moans in the hallway. He set down his bags. Bottles rolled. Could you tell me what to do with them, said Hart. With what? The bottles. I haven't learned how to dispose of anything. You've certainly got a collection. Brown, green, transparent, stubby, tall, capped, corked. How old are you? Twenty-six. Well, you're off to a good start. Stephen's eyes held tears, but no tears dropped. He picked up a compact mirror from the table and looked at himself, putting his tongue over the tooth stubs. He turned. He stared at Randall. Is this bad? It's the worst I've seen. Hart wore track pants and slippers under his robe. He took a cowboy shirt from a chair and got out of his robe long enough to get the shirt on and then began snapping his shirt buttons closed. He bent, pressed the button to his kerosene furnace. A blue flame came. Is there any pain? said Randall now seated at the table. If there's life, there's pain. Hart grabbed his stomach. Look how fat I am. I don't know how to use chopsticks. I want to learn because I guess you take less in. Do you care for an Irish? As in whiskey? Is dawn even done? Is it ever done? Do you have a clean glass, said Randall. I have two. Stephen switched on a countertop light, and sure enough, he had two fluted glasses in plastic. Christmas gifts from the party. Parents. I think the kids were petrified with your Santa Claus, Randall. The Christian spirit really shone through. Randall looked at the counter, at how the light lit the filthy dishes in the sink. A new tea cloth hung over an oven door, below which sat a clear plastic bag 
with jagged food tins that looked to have been opened with a knife. Toilet supplies were on the countertop near the propane stove. Grime climbed the porcelain wall tiles. There came a rustling in the other room. The latent visitor. The door opened. Tinkling came. Any closer and we'd be in there with her, whispered Randall. Stephen pointed a finger at him. I told you. But Stephen Hart broke into a smile, and his broken teeth made him look like a happy little boy. Except he wasn't a boy, but a teacher in Japan. Stephen handed Randall the whiskey, and the two sat at the table. The sound of the girl in the toilet had quieted them. I've been courting this all my life, said Stephen. I must call my mother. I called her last night, and I must call her again to reassure her. Stephen got up and searched through a pile of scribblers and folders. On the fridge top. Paper, he said, paper, paper. Stephen Hart had established himself as the poet, the poet in residence during his one month here. Ideas came quick, he told everyone, and had to be put down no matter where he was. Though none of you would understand that, he had said. English teachers abroad, the most illiterate of the lot. Randall's whiskey had the taste of formaldehyde. He eased the glass aside. Stephen was still on his feet, writing. Put the pen down. Sit and listen. I haven't been to the dentist here, but I can only imagine it's a big deal money-wise. And what you've got going? Looks to be a rebuild. Sui-san is at the school today. Who? The school secretary. Oh, her. The nice one. The only nice one. Stephen, you've got to contact her. I'm on a train in an hour. Could I borrow some money? The school will come through. You know, come to think of it, that smile was one of your good features. There's changing the subject, said Stephen. I'm not surprised. You don't know me. But I've also realized the traveler, the English teacher traveler, is the most money-hungry there is. What a thing to do with your life, go and teach English. It's a scam. Randall took out his wallet. He put 5,000 yen on the table. Is that a lot, said Hart? There was a large inhalation in the next room. How did you convince her, said Randall? In the state you were in when you called me, lost in downtown Hiroshima. Was she there beside you? Stephen sat, poured himself a second glass of whiskey. A half-smoked cigar was in the ashtray. He picked it out, put it in his mouth, spat away a tobacco bit. His forehead went tight. His arm clamped the fool's cap paper. He wrote now at the table. 
his white fist gripping a big pen. You're writing poems, said Randall, standing. Life can't be that bad. But I would imagine infection will set in, enamel laid open like that. Hart looked up. They said you talked to a bomb survivor. They said you slept with a university student. Randall had his guitar bag over his shoulder. See to it this morning through Suisan, Stephen, the school receptionist, or you'll fall into a hole here so deep and dark you'll never get out. Is that what happened to you? What happened to me, said Randall, turning, clearing his throat. A hole. The others say you're in deep. This line of work, it's gossip. There are no mines here. Passport stamps. That's why they come. They don't even know where they are. I think you do, Randall. I think there's intelligence in you. You're the only one I can talk to. You and Dave. Randall had his hand on the door. Hart dropped his head. Wrote but then jabbed his pen into center page and twisted. Do you think I'm a fool? I don't think you're a fool. And then Stephen's face went from boy to cherub and back to boy. Well then, he said, getting to his feet. Let me hold you. Merry Christmas in Japan, Lord Randall's son. Hart hugged and held on warmly. I'll get you your money back, he whispered. Sacked, my friend. Fired in your American-Canadian. Fired is what I heard, you and me. Randall smelled formaldehyde, then heart let go. Randall grabbed his bag. The bottles rolled. (laughs) 